Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. So we are so grateful to have him here today. So one last time, Connect Church, let's welcome Brother Holly Miller. Thank you, Brother. I'm going to finish your mic right here there just a little bit later. All right. What a joy it is to be here at Connect Church and how I thank God for your pastor. I love Brother Anthony. And uh, he was talking about preaching three services and then listening to me. No wonder he needed a nap between each one of those services. And so he'd listen to me and get a good nap. It's so uh, good to be with you. Thank you for allowing me to come. And Brother Anthony, I'll tell you something about him. He loves God with all of his heart, loves his family with all of his heart, and he loves you with all of his heart. Every time I'm around him, he talks about you in a great and excited way. And so I just want to thank the Lord and thank you for allowing me to preach here and teach to your folks this morning. It's a joy to be here. I want to ask you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and turn to chapter 2, if you will, Colossians chapter number 2. And uh, let's pray for a moment. Our Father in heaven, we just praise you and thank you. Lord, you said, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not share with any man. And Father, that's what this church is about. It's all about the glory of God. And Lord, as you said to the Thessalonians, your reputation is spreading around the the land. And Lord, your reputation for this church is spreading around the land. I praise you for that. I pray today that you will open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A little over 100 years ago, it was April the 14th, 1912, the largest ship in the world collided with a massive iceberg in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. In less than three hours, that ship was on the bottom of the ocean. 1,500 people lost their lives. All of us know the story of the Titanic. Those survivors began to tell stories about what actually happened. And they said, of course, when people began to realize how serious things were, a panic set in. And they said men and women were running around the deck crying out, who's in charge? Who's in charge? As if to say, can somebody take control and fix this problem? Several thousand years ago, this old world collided with a giant iceberg in the Garden of Eden, the iceberg of sin. And since that day when this world collided with that massive, deadly iceberg of sin, every generation has been swept over the deck into the icy waters of death, and men and women of every generation have been crying out, who's in charge? Can somebody fix this mixed-up world? Can somebody fix our nation? Our nation is broken and needs to be fixed. Can somebody fix my broken marriage? Can somebody fix my family? Is there anybody that can fix my life? Who's in charge? And you and I know the answer to that question. Jesus Christ is in charge. And I'll tell you why. Because he's Lord. Jesus Christ is in charge because he's Lord. What did Paul say to the Philippians? Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is Lord. And Thomas, when he saw the resurrected Christ, cried out, my Lord and my God. And Saul, on the way to Damascus, cried out, my Lord, what would you have me to do? Jesus is called Savior two times in the book of Acts, and what a wonderful Savior he is. But in that same book of Acts, he is called Lord 105 times. Jesus Christ is Lord. And because he is Lord, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church of Colossae down in southern Turkey, southwestern Turkey, we would call it today. And he gave a clear, succinct command to that church as well as to Connect Church, as well as to Holly Miller and every one of us in this room, I want you to look at this command so very clear. Chapter 2 of Colossians and verse number 6. Please read it. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. As you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. Have you received Christ the Lord? But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in His name. Paul said, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if he's not your Lord and Savior today, you can settle that today, right now in your heart. If you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus paid for all my sins. He paid the whole price. He said, it is finished. It was paid in full. He rose from the grave. And Lord, right now I receive you as Lord of my life. I trust your death as the payment for my sins. He will give you that eternal life. Have you received him as Lord? As you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. So here's the second question. Are you walking in him? Are you walking in him as Lord? Now the word walk is found 37 times in the letters of Paul. It always refers to this. It refers to our lifestyle. He talks about walking, and that's the way we live, our lifestyle, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our attitudes. For example, in Ephesians, he says, walk in wisdom, walk in love. In Galatians, he says, walk in the Spirit. And here he says, walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? What does it look like to walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ? I need to know that. And I believe Paul answers that question very, very practically. And this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I believe he answers it very, very practically in chapter 3. In chapter 3 of Colossians. And so if you'll keep your Bibles open or your phones or whatever you got, I want you to look with me at Colossians 3. Because in Colossians 3, Paul is telling us in a practical way what it looks like to walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing he says, as he tells us what it means to walk in his lordship, is this. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, if we are walking in his lordship, we will set our mind on things above. We will set our mind on things above. I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, 
Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He says it means to set your mind on things above. In verse 1, he says, seek those things which are above. Seek talks about a strong desire. And so if we desire the things above, we are to set our mind on the things above. That is, focus our mind. We hear the word mindset. Is your mindset on the things above? You see, most of us do not realize how important the mind is in the Christian life. So many people say, well, it's all about my feeling. Well, praise God for feelings. Feelings are involved. But the Word of God says, if you're to walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you need to set your mind on things above. Focus your mind. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isaiah said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Where is your mind? Is your mind on things above? Set your mind on those things. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you and I all day long think about heaven and the gates of pearl and the streets of gold? Well, I think we ought to think about those things. But I don't think that's what Paul was primarily talking about. What was he talking about when he said the things above? I think the key is found in verse 1. He says, seek those things which are above. Now watch this. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That is, set your mind on the lordship of Christ. Set your mind on things above, on the lordship of Christ. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. There's only one who can sit at the right hand of God. That is Lord. Jesus Lord. Lord Jesus I love what David said in Psalm 110, verse 1. Listen to this. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That is, God the Father said to God the Son, sit at my right hand. And so he says, as you set your mind on the things above, you're setting your mind on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. And I want to tell you something. When you and I set our minds on the Lordship of Christ, it will affect, it will change the way you treat your wife. It will affect the way you relate to your kids. It will affect and change the way you handle money and the way you work and the way you serve in church. It will affect the way you behave when you're alone with your boyfriend. It will affect the movies you see if your mind is set on the Lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. And when you and I set our minds on the Lordship, we're reminded of what happened when we came to Christ. What happened when He became Lord of your life? Well, the first thing that happened is this. All your sins were covered, paid in full. Isn't it great to know there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? That you will never be condemned for one sin. Never, never, never. Because all of your sins were laid on Christ and He was totally condemned in your place. He was declared guilty in your place legally, so when you trust Him, He is declaring you totally righteous legally before God. So your sins are forgiven. Here's the second thing that happened when you came to Christ. The old man, the old woman that you used to be, the person you were before you saved, that old person was crucified with Christ. 
That old person died. And now you are risen as a new person in Jesus Christ. He did not remodel you. He put the old man to death, and then he raised up a brand new man. Look at what he says in verse number 3. He says in verse number 3, for you died. For you died. The old man you were has been put to death. I'm not related to that old man anymore. He was in Adam. Now I'm in Christ. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. And not only did you die, but now you have been raised up with him. Verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. You're resurrected with Christ. You're a new person. Now let's get real practical. How do I do this? How do I set my mind on the Lordship of Christ? I believe it goes back to your daily time with God. Do you have a time with God? In the morning, maybe your time is another time. You may work on a certain shift and you have another time. Mom, maybe your time is when the kids get off to school, if they ever go back. What is your time with the Lord? So here's what I do. I get up in the morning, I go in my place of prayer and study, I get on my knees, I got a little prayer altar in there, and in my prayer notebook, I got a prayer notebook, here's what it says on the first page, set your mind on things above. I've got it written down. Set your mind on things above, and then I wrote this down, I am no longer under the penalty of sin, I am no longer under the power of sin, I don't have to give in to sin. The Holy Spirit lives within me. And what I am doing, I am setting my mind on the Lordship of Christ for the day. And then as I get into the Word of God, right now I'm reading through 2 Timothy. Always be reading through a book of the Bible. As I get into the Word of God and I'll read that paragraph for today, God is telling me how in a practical way to apply the Word of God in my life so that I can walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, every time you read the Word of God, if you'll pray this prayer, God will always answer it. Lord, how can this make a difference in my life today? I've never prayed that prayer that God didn't show me. How can this paragraph I read today make a difference in my life today? And He gives you, therefore, the direction of how to walk with your mind on Him. Now, I want to tell you something, I would be embarrassed to tell you How many times I have walked out of Walmart or Kroger without the slightest idea of where my car is? Is anybody like that? I can't tell you. Thank you. I don't want to feel lonely. And not not the slightest idea. And so I begin to walk around, wander around the parking lot for days sometimes looking for my car. Well, not exactly. But I did set a personal record the other day. I walked out of Walmart, one of the hot days we've had. I had no clue where my car was. I was walking, I know, between 20 and 30 minutes. And here's the worst part. The worst part is not that you lose your car. The worst part is you wonder who's looking at you. Who's watching Who thinks I'm crazy because I'm walking around looking for my car, and I'm hoping they're thinking, well, he's just getting exercise today as he carries three bags of groceries. Now, listen, here's why I keep losing my car. The Lord showed me this the other day. Because when I park my car, I don't set my mind. I don't set my mind where I parked. I just got all the groceries, the list my wife gives me, on my mind. I don't even set my mind on where the car is. 
So I go do my groceries. I come out, and because I have no idea where I parked because I didn't set my mind on where my park, my car is, I'm totally lost. So I'm learning now when I park, I'm setting my mind. I'm in this aisle. I'm this far down. And then I go and shop, and I come out, and I know exactly where my car is. When you don't set your mind on the lordship of Christ in the morning, you're going to walk around confused all day, lost all day. Learn to set your mind on Christ first thing in the morning. Now, here's the second thing. If we're to walk in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, this is what it looks like. It looks like this. We will put to death our sinful ways. We will put to death our sinful ways. Would you look at verse number five? Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put to death your evil ways. Now, you see, Jesus is Lord in your life, in my life, but we still sin. We sin because following Him as Lord, we're in a battle. The moment you came to Christ, Satan declared war on you. In fact, before you got saved, actually. And now you're in a battle with the world and the flesh and the devil. The flesh is your human sinful nature. Even though I'm a new man, my old man died, I'm a new man in Christ, I still have this sinful human nature, and I do battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so I sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Amen? Now, here's what happens when I sin. It's, this is the difference before I got saved and after I got saved. When I sin now, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I got saved when I was seven years of age. And I remember before I was saved, I, I said a lot of bad words. It didn't bother me at all. You say, what bad words did you say? That's none of your business. But I said a lot of bad words. It didn't bother me one bit. But when I came to Jesus as a seven-year-old boy, when I said a bad word, it hurt broke my heart. See, I'm left-handed when I write. I write left-handed. Could I write right-handed? Yeah, for a couple of words, but it doesn't feel right. So I always go back to my left hand where it feels right. And when you and I sin, it just doesn't feel right. So we always go back to the cross. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Now he's saying in verse 5, therefore put to death your old sinful ways, your members which are upon the earth. What are your members? The members of your body, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, your arms, your legs, every part of your body. Those are your members. Now, when he says put your members to death, he's not saying cut off your hand or pluck out your eye. Jesus talked about that, but he said not literally. No, but here's what he's saying. He is saying, because you have died, the old man is dead, now consider by faith that the members of your body are no longer to be used in a sinful way. Reckon them, consider them dead to using them for sinful ways. Your mind. Your mind is set on that truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, listen to this. He says in verse number 5, I want you to listen to these words. Therefore, put to death your members. Do not let the members of your body uh, be used in these ways. Fornication, 
uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Every one of those words has to do with sexual sin. For example, the word fornication. It's that Greek word pornia you've heard many times. We get the word pornography. Fornication is a great big umbrella word that covers any kind of sexual sin. It may be adultery with someone else's wife. It may be premarital sex. It may be living together unmarried. It may be pornography. It may be homosexuality. Any kind of sexual sin is called fornication. And he talks about these various sexual sins under fornication, like uncleanness and passion and evil desire and covetousness. Covetousness is usually talking about coveting money. Here it's talking about more and more immorality. Now, have you noticed how many times Paul talks about sexual sin? Why? Here's why. Because the people in the churches to whom Paul wrote, most of them were in their background was the Greek culture. Alexander the Great, 300 years before Christ, conquered the world. And, and everything now was the Greek culture, even up to the time of Christ and Paul. And people worshipped the Greek gods, and they ate the Greek food, and they dressed the Greek dress, and they, and they lived the Greek immorality. That was their background, the Greek immorality. Anything goes. Many Greek men had a wife to bear children, but lovers for pleasure. Many of the Greek philosophers and Roman emperors were homosexuals. And so they had that background. And sometimes even though their mind was set on Christ and sometimes their mind was not set on Christ, those temptations would come and they would fall back into them. And Paul said, no, you cannot do that. That's the way you used to live, but you don't live like that anymore. Look at verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, those that are lost. You, you're not lost. You can't live that way. You once walked that way, but now you don't walk that way anymore when you lived in them. Let me ask you a question. Don't get mad at me. How many in this room have looked at pornography in the past two weeks? You say, who do you think we are? I think you're followers of Jesus. And I have been pastors of churches long enough to know that since the epidemic of internet pornography, it is plaguing our churches. Johnny Hunt said, and I don't know if this is exactly right, but Johnny Hunt said in a typical church on Sunday morning, maybe one half of the guys have looked at porn in the past week. Now, let me tell you something. If you're hooked on that, if you're addicted to porn, I want to tell you something. I want you to listen very carefully. God is not mad at you. He's not angry with you. I know you feel like he is. He's not. Why? Because all of his anger was poured out on Jesus on the cross. But he loves you. And it breaks his heart that you are living in that guilt, that misery of addiction. It breaks his heart. He wants to set you free. And that's what he's saying in this chapter. Set your mind on the lordship of Christ. Put to death those evil ways. And yes, you may need to counsel with somebody to break that addiction, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to break it. He says, put to death those evil ways. And you think about that Greek culture. 
Does that remind you of a culture today that we live in? And then he talks about those relational kinds of sins. Look at verse number 8. But now you, you, you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Put those things off. Consider those things dead. Do not lie to one another since you have put off, remember, you have put off the old man with his deeds. And now you've put on the new man, the resurrected man, who is renewed in knowledge. He's becoming more like Christ according to the image of him who created him. And so he says, you've got to put those things off. What about your anger? You have a temper that flares off. You speak harshly with your wife or your kids. What about that anger? What about the honesty of your heart? What about your language? Put to death the old sinful ways. Now, what's he saying? He's saying this is what it means to set your mind on the lordship of Christ. You seek those things above. You set your mind on his lordship. You put to death the old sinful ways. Now, here's the third thing he says. He says, practice love for the body of Christ. Practice love for the body of Christ. I know so many people, and I'm sure you do too, they say Jesus is Lord. And yet they don't see the church as a family like you do. They see the church as an organization. It's one slice of their life, like here's my work life, here's my home, here's my recreation, here's the Rotary Club, here's this and that. And the church is one of those slices. It is an organization, not my family. And so I do my duty once a week. I go to church once a week. But as soon as they get in the door, they've got one thing on their mind. When will this be over? When will this be over? Some of you may be thinking that right now. When will this be over? Because they don't love the body of Christ. They don't love the body of Christ because really Jesus is not Lord. So here's what he says. He tells us how to love the body of Christ. Look at verse number 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now stop right there. That's who you are. You are elect of God. God has chosen you. You are holy. That means God has set you apart for his special purpose. If you're a truck driver, you have been set apart for a special purpose for God as a truck driver. If you're a nurse, you've been set apart as a nurse for the glory of God, a housewife, whatever. You have been set apart. He says, I chose you. I set you apart. And look at this. You are beloved. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it amazing? That the same word God the Father used for God the Son when he was baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, that's who he calls you. The same thing he called Jesus. You're my beloved. Now because you are chosen, because you are set apart, because you are beloved, this is how you are to relate to other people. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, Meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you almost also must do. 
But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, that perfect bond that binds us together. Now watch this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body. What body? The church. The church is the body of Christ. And so you are to do everything you can to practice love for everyone as a part of the body of Christ. And he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule means umpire, like we have umpires today. They had umpires in that day in the, in the Isthmian games, the athletic games. And the umpire called yes or no, right or wrong. Let the Spirit of God umpire what you say, what you do. Let the Spirit of God umpire if you're about to say something in the church that's going to offend somebody or hurt the church. Because God wants His body to be unified. I pray for a different nation every, every morning. The first thing I pray for every nation is I pray, God, I prayed yesterday for France, I prayed, God, bless the church in France that they might be unified. Give them unity because I've been on enough mission trips to know that some of the churches in foreign countries are bickering and fighting and fussing just like many of our churches here. Praise God you don't have that. Listen, God has given you unity. Now you've got to guard that unity. God has provided that oneness. You've got to maintain that oneness and protect that oneness. Don't ever let anything. I'd rather be caught drinking a barrel of whiskey in a bar than be caught doing anything that would hinder or divide the church of God. If Jesus is Lord, practice love for the body of Christ. Fourthly, if Jesus Christ is Lord, fill your heart with the Word of God Fill your heart with the Word of God. He says in verse 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Is the Word of Christ dwelling in you? And I go back to this, and I know you think, well, you're old-fashioned, you're a fuddy-duddy. Listen, I want to tell you something. If I was not, and I've been a pastor many years, but right now, if I was not in the Word of God, feeding my soul, my life would be a train wreck. I promise you. My marriage would be a train wreck. My finances would be. Certainly my ministry. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Peter said, desire the milk of the word that you may grow thereby. David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I want to challenge you today. If you are not disciplining your life to find a time, it doesn't have to be two hours. God knows your schedule. God knows how busy you are. I'm not talking about legalism, but you schedule a time before the Lord. Here's what you do. You got to look at your schedule and carve out time. Just like you carve out time to go to the doctor. You carve out time to eat lunch. You carve out time. This is my time with God. And I'm going to fill my life with the Word of God. And here's what happens. Many times when I'm reading the Word of God, it feels dry. I don't get emotional about it. Sometimes I do. Most of the time I don't. But here's what's happening, and I'm not aware of it. As you stay in the Word of God and fill your heart with the Word of God, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Now listen, 
one day at a time. As you do that week after week, month after month, year after year, one day at a time, here's what God is doing. He is transforming your life by the renewing of your mind. You may not feel it. You may not sense it. But that's what God is doing as you stay in the Word of God. How many people do you know? They don't have time for the Word of God. They've got time to play golf. That's another reason I know I'm saved. I don't play golf. But they've got time to play golf. They've got time to watch hours of television and be on the Internet and play video games. But somehow they just can't find time to read the Word of God. You know why? They don't want to. They don't want to. Ask God to give you a hunger for the Word of God because Jesus is Lord in your life. I want to say one more thing. If Jesus is Lord in your life, we will lift our voices to praise His name. Look at the end of verse 16. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'll tell you one thing about Connect Church. You like to praise the Lord, don't you? It's so obvious with his wonderful praise team up here and seeing you respond and seeing people lift their hands in praise to God and sing in your heart because Jesus is Lord. When you get to the point in your life that you don't have a desire to praise him, ask God to search your heart and say what's wrong. And I know this praise team as they've probably led music through the years. Maybe not here, but as they've led music through the years. And I know I've seen it. People are praising the Lord and tears are falling and lifting their hands. And you'll find somebody in the congregation every Sunday, and this is what they're doing. Mouth's not moving. They're not into it. You wonder if they're in a coma. I heard about a man in the service, worship service, that had a heart attack and actually went into cardiac arrest. And they called the EMTs, and they came in, and before they could find that man, they carried out nine men before they found the right one. They were so dead. If Jesus Christ is Lord, lift your voices to him in praise. In the 1930s, the great baseball team of the 30s was, maybe you've heard of them, the Gas House Gang, St. Louis Cardinals. And one of the guys on the Cardinals was named Pepper Martin. In 1934, the Cardinals won the World Series, and in the last game, Pepper Martin was the hero of the game. And uh, the reporters had gathered around him in the locker room, and they were asking him questions about that hit and that stolen base. And after they did, they said, Pepper, one guy said, Pepper, tell me something. Now that you've been the most valuable player in the seventh game of the World Series, is there anything else in life you really want to do? And Pepper said, yes. I want to go to heaven. Well, they laughed. And he didn't crack a smile. And Pepper Martin said, man, I, I'm not kidding. I want to go to heaven. I do too, don't you? If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes to righteousness. 
And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Let's bow together and pray. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.